Well, today we finish off our theme on growing old gracefully. And uh, it's been a great theme, I think, and it's been relative to all of us, no matter whether we're young, whether we're old, we're on this journey called life. And uh, on that journey, we're all growing old, and we want to uh, get to the end of our lifetime, being filled with the Spirit, being renewed daily uh, in the Spirit of God. Yes, our body grows tired, our body grows weak and exhausted at times, but our spirit is renewed daily. And so we can come to the end of our time here on earth, filled with the Spirit, hoping for a great tomorrow, believing for uh, many more things to come, believing for things generationally that will continue after our life is gone. It's a great life. You know, there's so many messages out there. You watch the news, you watch the media, you watch current affairs programs. There's so much negativity about what life is and what life is, does. I'm here to tell you that as a follower of Jesus Christ, it is a great life. Yes, there's trials. Yes, there's hardships. Yes, there's all sorts of things that we have to endure throughout. But at the end of the day, this is a great life. Great. Good to see you getting excited about that. And so growing old gracefully, you know, we've looked at eight different keys over the last few weeks of how we can grow old gracefully. We've talked about being an encourager, being able to encourage people. We've talked about having a generous spirit towards people. We've talked about doing real life together, not just living at that superficial realm, but doing real life together, being vulnerable. We've talked about uh, not withdrawing when things get tough. We've talked about uh, not being content, sitting on the sidelines, but getting involved, getting them. I talked to someone this morning. Uh, I talked to Janine, who's just walked 150 kilometers over there in Spain somewhere. Is that right? Or and, and with her sisters and just the experience of waking up each day and, and walking all that distance with her sisters and camping out and drinking coffee. And for, she said they didn't run out of words at all in 150 Ks. That's awesome. See, that's experience. That's, that's life. Not content sitting on the sidelines, but getting out there and getting involved. We've talked about enjoying the journey while you chase the dream. We've talked about regularly celebrating and we've talked about remembering that pressure is greatest before the breakthrough. So if you're feeling that pressure, you're feeling that tough time, look forward to the fact and the promise that something's about to break in that situation. Remember we, we did the balloon burst that I think shocked just about all of us when it happened. Today, I want to give you one more key. I just want to focus on one key today of growing old gracefully, and I've left the most important key until last. Uh, because I wanted us to focus on this, and also because I think that this particular key today is the most significant and is the most challenging to all of us in the way we live life. And today I want to focus on this one key. And so if you will, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You will know it as the love chapter. The love chapter. I'm going to read the whole chapter to you because there's some truths I want to bring out of that this morning. Actually, let me read the previous verse. You realize that in the original writing of these letters, there were no chapter divisions. 
And so the chapter divisions have been placed there for our benefit, but sometimes we can actually lose something in the chapter divisions because there is a flow on in this text that we can sometimes miss. And so let me read the, uh, the verse beforehand. It says, first, however, let me tell you about something that is better than all of them. And Paul is talking about all the gifts that I've talked about. If I could speak in any language, in heaven or on earth, but didn't love others, I would only be making meaningless noise like a loud gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I knew all the mysteries of the future and knew everything about everything, but didn't love others, what good would it be? And if I had the gift of faith so that I could speak to a mountain and make it move without love, I would be no good to anybody. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would be of no value whatsoever. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable and it keeps no record of when it has been wronged. It is never glad about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Love will last forever, but prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will all disappear. Now we know only a little, and even the gift of prophecy reveals little. But when the end comes, these special gifts will all disappear. It's like this. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child does. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, as in a poor mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God knows me now. There are three things that will endure, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. What a great chapter. What a great chapter. This chapter, of course, many of you would have heard at weddings. Go to many weddings, whether those weddings be, be weddings of uh, believers or unbelievers. Many choose this passage to represent the foundation of what they would like their marriage to be. Some important things that we need to recognize about this passage, which we'll get to. But I want you to first write down or remember this final key, and this is it. The greatest key to growing old gracefully is this. Start with love and life will follow. Start with love and life will follow. And we'll explore that this morning. We'll open that up a little bit. There's some important things to notice about this passage, 1 Corinthians 13, that Paul wrote this particular letter to the church at Corinth. It was a church that had experienced some incredible growth. They had seen lots of people saved and won into the kingdom of God. But they were also growing as disciples of Jesus Christ. They were growing in their maturity. But there were also some issues in the church. There were some issues of moral living and, and holiness that needed to be addressed. There was some interesting theology that had crept into this particular church. So Paul writes this letter. 
And in this first letter to the Corinthian church, Paul teaches, firstly in chapter 12, he teaches on the gifts of ministry that are in operation in the church. The diversity of the gifts and how they should operate, he addresses those in chapter 14. But as you know, between chapter 12 and chapter 14 comes chapter 13. And chapter 13, in the middle of this, so right in the middle of this talk about the gifts in operation in the church and using those gifts and special knowledge and all the wonderful things that we associate with church, right smack bang in the middle of that, Paul says, let me show you a better way, a more excellent way, the way of love. The way of Love. This love that Paul is talking about here, it's, it's the glue that binds everything together within the body of Christ. You must remember that when Paul is talking about this, he is talking within the context of how a church operates, how the kingdom of God operates, how the people of God operate operate and that is fundamentally important because this is not just talking about merely showing compassion like we would do or charity as the world does but this is something higher this is something that God's people are called to and so it's important for us to understand that so let's talk about this love this morning let's talk about what this love that Paul's talking about truly is because if we learn to live with this kind of love we can grow old gracefully and so I want to just highlight five things about this love this morning the first is this that this particular love elevates it lifts us up it's greater than just the norm. This is an incredible kind of love. The Bible uses a number of different words for love. There is the eros love, the love of pleasure, the lustful love, the feelings love. And then there is the filio love. It talks about the filio love, our, our love for our fellow man, the normal kind of love that we experience. And Paul's saying here, but listen, let me show you a, a better way. Let me show you a superior way. Above all the wonderful and powerful gifts that we operate in, in the church and we use to make a difference in our world, let me show you something that is greater, more superior than all of that. You see, this is a love that elevates the way we live our lives to a whole new dimension. If you look at the original words for love in this chapter from the original languages of Aramaic and Greek, there are two meanings that combine here. The, the Aramaic word for love here is the word huba. I love that word, huba, huba, huba shawarawara, huba. Huba means this, huba means to set on fire. It means to set on fire. In other words, this is a kind of love that is passionate. It's full of zeal. It involves intense feelings. It's not just an act of duty. It's not just loving because that's what is expected of us. I think we can fall into that trap sometimes to just love because that's kind of what's expected of a Christian. But it's more than that. There's a, a zealousness. There's a passion behind this kind of love. And the same Greek word used for love here is the word agape. And that word there means the highest form of love that only comes from God. 
So it's talking about God's love. This love transcends our humanitarian compassion. It's a love that is demonstrated with zeal and and passion, the same zeal and passion that God has for his children, those who are saved and those who are lost. It's that kind of love. It's a love that has to act. It is compelling. It is instinctive love that doesn't think twice about the sacrifice. It's that kind of love. Now, when I was putting this together, you realize when I preach, I don't preach to you. I preach to us. (laughs) And I found this incredibly challenging. Do I really love in that kind of capacity, in that kind of way? You see, this kind of love means you carry a supernatural empowerment and enabling from God to love the unlovely, to love the enemy, to love those who hurt you, to love those who persecute you. That's incredible love. You see, you actually know this love is in operation because people on the receiving end, they see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven, as it says in Matthew. It's easy to know whether you're operating in this agape kind of love because when they see your good works, do they pat you on the back and say, I don't know what I'd do without you? Or do they say something along the lines of, thank you so much. I know that this is your faith coming out. I know that there's something going on here. I know that, that your faith must be so real because I see it in what you do. It's that kind of love. You see, when you live with this elevated kind of love, everything's different in life. Your priorities are different, your dreams and desires, your energy, your action, your zest for life, your ability to, uh, and creativity to make a difference, your focus, your relationships, your heart for people. You see, when you live with this kind of elevated love, this agape love of God, everything changes. And there's such a challenge with that. Are we, with, are we living our lives with, with, with this kind of love or with a less than kind of love, with a, a duty love, with an obligation love, with a filio love? We love a certain way because it's expected of us. That's a big challenge, isn't it? You see, there's only one way that we can grow in this kind of elevated love. You see, because this love is the Father's love. It's God's love. And the only way to grow in this love is to know the Father more intimately and deeply. It's nothing we can do and say, well, I I need to show more charity. I need to do more acts of kindness. It's, It's not that kind of love we're talking about here. We're talking about a love that is expressed out of our personal relationship with God to a lost world. You see, the fact is, our expression of love actually shows our relationship with Jesus when it's this kind of love. So this love elevates. The second thing this love does is that it initiates. You see, this love starts things. It comes first, before everything else. It's it's not an afterthought. It's not a, oh, by the way, perhaps I should do this. This love initiates I said at the beginning of this message that if we start with love, 
life will follow. And that is the key to growing old gracefully. It may sound fairly simple to you this morning, but it is actually a radical way of doing life. It is actually countercultural to the world because the world would say the opposite. You do life and eventually love will come your way. You do life a certain way. You obey the rules. You go through the experiences of growing up and all that. And then eventually what will happen is that somewhere in the mix, love will come your way. But Christianity is not like that. Following Jesus Christ is not like that. You see, you start with love and life will follow. You see, the world is interesting. The world puts people like Elizabeth Gilbert's story, Eat, Pray, Love, on a pedestal. You see, it's all about life and then love. Every religious philosophy that there is out there talks about living a certain kind of way, living a certain kind of life, and eventually, if you do all the right things along the way, love will come. But what we do is entirely different. It's a radical kind of love. Listen to what Ravi Zacharias, a great author, says. He says, in every other world view, at best, life precedes love. Only in the Christian faith does love precede life. The God of love has created us for his purpose, supremely found in loving God and our fellow human beings. Love succeeds life. It is both here and hereafter. You enjoy it, you spend it, you inherit it in still grander terms. And that makes us very different. John 3.16, the gospel in miniature. John 3.16, it does not say this, for God created life so he could love. It says... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You see, God's love comes first. John 10.10, Jesus said this, said the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. You see, Jesus, the gift of love, first came to die for us. And to take our sin on his shoulders so that we might therefore have life abundantly. You see, abundant life is first the result of overwhelming love. 1 John 4.19 We love each other as a result of him loving us first. What a beautiful scripture. First his love. First his love, and then our ability to love and do life at a greater dimension. You see, love initiates. And I think that's an incredible challenge for us as God's people. Because if we're to be like Jesus, we are to be people who initiate love. And I've got to confess, I don't always start with love. More often than not, in my experience, I start with caution. I start with wariness. I I start with my guard up. I start with some walls or some barriers. I I may even start at times with a little distrust or perhaps some self-protection. 
But love that initiates is incredibly vulnerable. It's amazingly vulnerable. You think about Jesus. You think about the fact that he loved us, knowing full well that his love could and would be rejected by many people. Amazing love. Behold, what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we can be called the children of God. Amazing love. So I guess the challenge for us is this, that we have to learn to love with the barriers down. We have to learn to love as our initial response, not after we've weighed up all the advantages and disadvantages. We have to learn to love beyond the hurt. And that's a word for some of you this morning. We have to learn to love beyond the hurt. Some of you have been hurt. And what happens is the walls, the barriers go up. I'll never love like that again. But God's love says that we have to learn once again to love beyond the hurt. This God-given love initiates and leads to abundant life. This love elevates, it initiates, and this love validates. You see, I love the way Paul starts this chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. He, he says this, he says, If I could speak with the tongues of angels, but not have love. If I could prophesy and move mountains, but not have love. If I could live a sacrificial kind of life, but not have love. Then it all amounts to nothing. You see, this love actually validates. It's the love that validates our words, our gifts in operation in our life, and our actions. You see, without love, our words are just information. Without love, our special knowledge and our gifts are just infatuation. Without love, our sacrifices are, are just gratification. But with the love that makes all the difference, with love, our words are revelation. Our special knowledge and our gifts are impartation. Our sacrifices are motivation to love more. It's a special kind of love. Love validates what we do and, and what we say. Love gives values and, and purpose to the way that we live our lives. This God-given love comes with freedom and fruitfulness and, and joy. There's a sense when you operate in this kind of love that this is the reason why I live on this planet earth. This is my purpose. This is life and I'm living it to the full. It's that kind of love. You know, this kind of love also reveals to us or helps answer or brings perspective to the questions of why. You know, the greatest struggles that people have to do in life, I believe, are to do with the question, why? Why did this happen? Why is this the way it is? Why can't this be different? But this kind of love answers and brings perspective to the why in life. And I guess the challenge is this, are our words, are our gifts, are our sacrifices that we make in life, are they accompanied by this kind of love or are they sort of love restrained and held back? 
The next thing I want you to notice about this kind of love is this. This love demonstrates. You see, the love of God, by his nature, must be demonstrated. God's love is an active love. It's not an ideal or a philosophy to one day attain to. God's love is because God is love. You see, his nature and his action go together. So that means for us as followers of Jesus Christ that we actually have no option but to love. We are to love and and not to love from a safe distance, but a a love that's really hands-on. You see, Jesus came to this earth to show what hands-on love can do in a world that's messed up by sin. To show the depth of his love, Jesus got involved. He came down from high. He humbled himself to this earth and died upon a cruel and rugged cross. The demonstration of love. You know, one time Jesus said to his disciples, he said, there's no greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. The irony is that Jesus' love so surpassed that kind of love because he laid down his life not just for his friends but for his enemies. Amazing love. And the challenge of that kind of love is incredible. This love demonstrated means this. Have a think about it. This love demonstrated means that we love the unlovely. We love our enemies We love the disenfranchised. We love the demanding. We love people of every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. We love those who blatantly oppose the truth. We love those who are antagonistic towards our faith. We love those who would persecute us. We love those who live in ways contrary to God's word. We love those who can't give anything back. We love those who have done us wrong and have hurt us. Now that's a challenge. I don't know about you, but I actually can't love like that. I I, I go through this and I just challenge my own heart because I just can't love like this. No matter how hard I try how much I know this is the right way to love, I can't do it. Not in my own strength. And so you see, that's why it needs to be God's love. It needs to be His agape love. It's interesting that one of the key words that you're here today in the world is tolerance. As if tolerance is the higher plane in dealing with people, but as followers of Jesus Christ, we're not called to tolerate, we're called to love. And there's a big difference. You see, the good news, and here is the good news. Some of you are thinking, how on earth can I attain to all this? 
Here is the good news that the Holy Spirit actually enables us to love way above our human limitations and our human inadequacies. There is a love that we can have enabled and empowered by the Holy Spirit that takes us beyond what we could possibly do in the natural. And how wonderful is that? Paul goes on and he tells us here that this kind of love that is given by God enables us to be patient and kind. Oh, I need some of that. Especially the patient bit. I quite often pray, Lord, give me patience now. It's not irritable. It's not short. This kind of love enables us to be humble, not proud, boastful or rude. It enables us to be forgiving, not judgmental and demanding. It enables us to be rejoicing in the truth rather than rejoicing when someone gets their just punishment. I've got to think about that one. You see, because in the natural, there's sometimes things happen. I think, well, they deserve what they got. But this love teaches us to transcend that. This kind of love enables us to be persistent, faith-filled and hopeful, not giving up and critical and negative. And this kind of love helps us to be strong and enduring, not bowing to trial and hardship when it comes our way. It's that kind of love. You see, the fact is this. We can demonstrate this kind of love with the Holy Spirit's empowering and enabling. And so all we need to do is ask Him to continue His work in our lives. Holy Spirit, I can't do this on my own. I can't respond the way I should be responding. I know what your will is. I know what you would have us do. But in the natural, I just can't respond that way. So I need you to continue your your work in me. I need the fruit of the Spirit in my life. And as we journey this life, seeing His grace at work within us and through us, we can actually grow old gracefully the final point this morning this love celebrates this love celebrates Paul tells us that gifts will fail that words will eventually fail but love remains there are three things hope faith and love and the greatest is Love. Have you ever thought why love is the greatest of those three? I believe it's because of this. Faith is temporary in the light of eternity. Hope is temporary in the light of eternity. But love is eternal. You see, when I'm in heaven one day, basking in the glory of God's radiance... I don't need faith because I'm surrounded by him. And I'm in eternity one day. I don't need hope because I just look into the face of Jesus and all hope is fulfilled. But love is eternal. Love is eternal. You see, this kind of love is to be celebrated by us. 
because this love is a glimpse of the eternal at work in the temporary. It's the reflection of Jesus Christ at work in us, which is the hope of glory. Matthew 6, verse 19 to 21 says this, Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. But store up treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. You see, the way we store up eternal treasure while we're here on earth is to live our lives with the elevation, the initiation, the validation, the demonstration and the celebration of his love. And if we live our lives that way, And I know it's a challenge. But when we live our lives that way, we will enjoy the fullness of the journey, growing old gracefully. Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God so loved that he gave his love comes first as you know in order to live in the fullness of this love the answer is in first receiving his love you see God so loved that he gave Jesus to save us from sin Jesus was the ultimate demonstration of God's love. And we can come to him and accept him as Lord and Savior of our life.